Hi, good morning. It's great to be back together with you today. I know we've all had a busy week and a lot of things have been going on and I, I, I'm really excited to get together and that's why it's important to get together because I think God wants to inspire and encourage our hearts. Um, and, and please stay till the end because I think God's got an encouraging word for all of us. But I think it's important when we come together that God just speaks into our lives to be able to face the challenges of the day head on with his spirit and with his word. We've been in a series about cherishing and we've actually now been talking about the need for us to get involved in culture with cherishing language. And, and last week we talked about the call of Christians to speak the language of God to the world around us, to speak um, justice, truth, and mercy, and compassion uh, to all people in all cultures, to speak out against injustice, to speak the case of the disenfranchised, to speak through acts of compassion to those who are in need and to embrace the work of God in a tongue, a people, a culture that might not even be our own. So on Pentecost, we learned that God turned the Galilean tongue of Peter and the other fishermen into the works of God in the language of the Medes and the Arabs and the Greeks and all the other different folks that were gathered together. What an incredible thing to be a part of. I think most Christians actually drool when they read the second chapter of Acts and God's Holy Spirit is poured out. There's tongues of fire on people's heads and they all of a sudden begin to speak in other tongues and they had not learned this tongue and they were beginning to speak in the tongue of the visitors of Jerusalem that hour. And, and, and we see the power of God moving. I think we all just drool at that moment. It's like, man, I wanna be a part of that. I, wanna, I wish the Holy Spirit would move on me so that kind of power would flow through my life. But what we tend to get less excited about is God thrusting them and thrusting us into diverse people's lives with a message of love, because that too is what was going on through the power of God. So Peter is awesome. I just absolutely love him. And he speaks to me a lot today as I'm looking at this. On this day of Pentecost, when when God is ushering in um, the language of love being spoken in the language of other people, of diversity and unity together. On that day, after denying Christ three times, Peter is empowered beyond his mistake to speak the power and the love of God to others. Man, and we all need this. We all need this confidence that regardless of the mistakes of the past, that today, right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can be emboldened, that we can be empowered by God to stand up and make a difference. I like what it says, Acts chapter two, verse 14. And Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice. This is what this hour needs. It is a time, regardless of our past mistakes, it is time for us to stand up with our brothers and to lift up our voices. We can rise up by the power of love and stand with our brothers. You know, I, I, I think it's, you know, I've questioned even myself and people have sent me messages about, you know, why don't you just stay out of this whole racial thing? Why, it's none of your business, Pastor Paul. It's none of, you know, this is not something that the church is involved. And as I was looking into the life of John C. Calhoun and, and trying to understand what his, um, what his issue with slavery was and began to discover some of the, the darker issues that he had with it, one of the things that he said that empowered me was 
that he was working against the tide of those who had been subverted by the pulpits on the minds of Northern minds against slavery and to support uh, abolition. It made me realize back in his day that it was the pastors, it was the Christians, it was the pulpits that began to speak on behalf of those who are, were being done in injustice. And he actually saw them as a force to be worked against. And so today I am taking my place um, uh, in the pulpit as a child of God, as a teacher, as a preacher of God, to stand up with Peter and my brothers and to call out the injustice and to challenge the inequity of our society and to speak truth and compassion and love. And every one of us are to be called to be empowered to do this. But Peter's journey does not, is not completed just because he has the power of God, just because the tongues of fire and the speaking in unknown tongues and then, and then having this power of God in his life, everything wasn't resolved for Peter. The change had to penetrate his heart and it had to change his mind. You see, Peter was a Galilean that had become a Christian. Now it was time for Peter to be a Christian who was a Galilean. Let me say that again. Peter was a Galilean that became a Christian, but now it was time for Peter to be a Christian who is a Galilean. See, the first order of Peter's life needed to be changed. And just because he had the power of God in his life, because he had a moment of empowerment and a moment of speaking out, the work was not done. It wasn't enough to be a protestant. It wasn't enough to raise his voice. But something in his heart had to be changed. Something in him needed to be moved, not just to action, but something needed to be changed in his mind. So God leads Peter into a place of learning. And I think we're in that exact same place. See, we are all born white or black or Asian or Hispanic, male or female or whatever differences they may be, but we're born those things first. They are our first order. And as we grow, we develop an unconscious bias to what we're familiar with in that first order. So it becomes our first thought, our first instinct, our first reaction to what's unfamiliar to us. And we all have it. It doesn't imply that we're, we're all evil or anything like that. It's just part of our psychology. It's, it's got some elements of physiology built into it and how our brain and, uh, works. And also it's, it's part our social upbringing. Um, let me demonstrate this if you're kind of getting a little lost with this, with a little exercise that you may have already done, but it will kind of reveal it. Um, I'm, I'm going to need you to just kind of relax, just kind of like shake it out a little bit, shake your head a little bit, and, and then not, and I, and if you could just close your eyes. And I know, you know, you may think this is silly, but just, just let me go with this for a little bit. And, and we're going to do a little, a little experiment, and we're going to call it understanding our implicit bias, our unconscious bias, um, by visiting mom. And I'm going to take you on a journey, and I want you to visualize every step of the journey as I describe it, and I want you to just picture it around you, okay? All the interactions, everything that's going to go on, okay? So you're on a trip, and you're flying home to see your mom. 
your plane lands and the plane and all the passengers begin to disembark. And just before you take that left-hand turn to exit the plane, the pilot comes out and thanks you for flying with them today. You get your luggage and you arrive home. Mom is excited to see you and prepares you a great meal. After an evening of chatting and catching up, you go to bed. But around 2 a.m. in the morning, you hear glass break downstairs. So as you move to the stairs with your shotgun, you see two figures moving in the dark. You turn on the lights, and as you point your gun at them, you tell the criminals to lay on the ground until the police arrive. The police officer assures your heart that you're going to be safe and takes the criminals away. You and your mom thank God and calm down with a shot of whiskey. Um, I just threw the shot of whiskey in there. You don't have to have the shot of whiskey. But I want you to hold the story in your mind. I want, to, I want you to hold what you pictured in your mind. And I want to ask you a couple questions about the movie that just played in your mind. When you got off the plane, and when the pilot turned to you and said, thank you for flying, what was the color of the pilot? What was the gender of the pilot? Was it a man or a woman? Was he white or was he black? What did your mom make for dinner for you? I mean, for me, I saw lasagna. That's, that's what I saw. I saw some meatballs too. When you turned on the lights at 2 a.m. in the morning and see the criminals, what color are they? Were they white or were they black? Were they men? Did you see the police officer that calmed you down? Was he white or was he black? Was, was it a female officer? Now, don't beat yourself up. It, 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 it's not a sin to be human. It's, it's not wrong to be white and it's not wrong to be black. And we all develop these unconscious biases based upon our expectations and familiarity. But what does matter is what you do with it and how much power it has in your life. We all have these implicit biases, these unconscious expectations or preferences that we want to see in the world around us or that we're about to encounter. And when we don't get what we expect, it creates, even just for a small second and for a moment, it creates a disorientation. Uh, it can create fear. It can create a potential of conflict, a sense of retreating or attacking. And, and even though it wasn't all logically thought out, your mind still did it to you. So Peter has a bias that needs to change. And God knows it. God knows that there's something about Peter, something that he, that he has in, this, in the expectation of his mind, a bias that needs to be addressed. His first order of response needs to be challenged. He needs to be a Christian first and then a Galilean. So God is going to send Peter into a situation that will challenge his bias. God tells a guy, God's having another conversation with another guy named Cornelius, who is an Italian Roman centurion that he's going to send a man to, to tell him about Jesus and to tell his family about Jesus so he can become saved. So God's already having the conversation with the heart of another man. 
But what God's going to need, and if I can just use that word need, we know God doesn't need nothing, but, but, but just for the scenario, God is, is going to have to have, uh, need a Galilean to be a Christian first instead of being a Galilean first, okay? He's gonna need somebody that is not going to respond to the first order, but is going to switch around what they are first. Why? Because he knows that Jews do not go into the homes of Romans, especially the Romans that are not Jewish and they are also their oppressors. So the mission, like today, will all hinge on a man, or even like today, a man or a woman, who is willing to have their biases exposed and then learn about them and then act Christian first. So Peter arrives in the city of, of Cornelius, doesn't know what he's supposed to do yet, but, he, but he's arrived. And, and here's where we pick up the scripture and the story that comes to us out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened in something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time and said, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up once to heaven. You see, Peter has in his mind, even in a conversation with God, he has a, this is my expectation. I have this already laid out, like the food being laid out. This is what I eat, this is what I don't eat. This is where I go, this is where I don't go. This is the kind of people I talk to, these are the kind of people I don't talk to. He already has it like a blanket. He already has it laid out. And God has to talk to him three times to change his bias. Um, and here we are, kind of like in an American history moment of the third time. We have, um, we have the abolishing of slavery in the Civil War. We have the Civil Rights Movement of the 60s. And here we are again today, where the cloth is once again being lowered down and the voice of God is speaking to us, do not call common or unclean what I have made clean. We're just like Peter. We have to be spoken to over and over again about our biases about one another. Peter is really blown away by this vision. But soon he's going to learn that this is just a metaphor that God has used this vision for to talk about his biases towards other people. So while he's trying to figure this out, he gets a phone call from a guy named Cornelius and is invited to Cornelius's house. So Peter goes. So he realizes something up. God's wanting to change something. And like the moment that we're in right now, we know something's up and we know that God wants to change something. So Peter entered and Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and began to worship him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am 
just a man. I'm just a guy. Cornelius had something about Peter messed up in his head and uh, maybe because God visited Cornelius that Cornelius projects something on Peter as being greater than a human being. And, and that's probably what it was. But, but Peter had to say, no, no, we're, we're, we're equals here. We're equals. I, I, I need to bring you up to where I am, okay? I need to, we need to look eye to eye and have this conversation. Boy, isn't that... Um, the theme of what we're talking about today. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And Peter said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to even visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. See, Peter is willing to listen to God and submit his first order, his implicit bias, his unconscious thoughts and values to God. Peter becomes... In this moment, a Christian first. I mean, before he was, he was a Galilean who had become a Christian, who had been filled with the Holy Spirit, who stood up and to speak. I mean, it all has to start that way. We are something first, then we become new creations in Christ. See, for a lot of us, we never allow that new creation process to happen or, or, or to become matured in us. At this point, Peter realizes he's got to become something more than a Galilean. He's got to become something more than Jewish. He's got to be something more than just male. He's got to be Christian first. He still has his biases, and we all do, and we all will. This is not going to get fixed if we just, you know, think that nobody's going to have a bias. We're always going to have biases. I'm always going to want to go home. And if my mom was there when I went home, I would always have a bias that please make me some meatballs and some lasagna. And, and it's okay that we all come from tribes, that we all come from familiarity and places of preference that we all have, and then we all have diversity and differences and are accustomed to those things. It's, it's okay to have biases, but we got to realize that, that sometimes these first order responses need to be de-emphasized in their priority and that we need to be Christian first. And in time, if we do this enough, those biases may begin to change. Now, I know that some of you are saying, I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to change anything about me. You know, um, that's exactly what Jesus said to the Father Christmas Eve before he was born. I don't think so. I mean, but he could have. He could have said, I shouldn't have to do this. We've already given him commandments. We've already tried to help him here. We already took him out of bondage. You know, where he took them out of Egypt, what, what more do they want? You know, I shouldn't have to do any more. Now it's time for them to help themselves. Um, this is exactly what Jesus would have said, I shouldn't have to do this. When on Holy Thursday, he allowed himself to be arrested by the, the soldiers. But he didn't say that, did he? But he could have. He could have, say, could have said, I shouldn't have to do this. 
But grace, love, and truth and mercy compelled him to say, no. This is exactly what Jesus could have said before he breathed his last and said, Father, forgive them. But that's not what he said. See, I am born to be um, an American Christian. I am made to be a white Christian. I may be a Southern white Christian, but I am called in all those biases, um, implicit or explicit, I am called to be Christian first. And this is something like Peter that we all have to learn. Just getting baptized doesn't cure this. Just listening to my message last week about stopping the babble and beginning to speak in the tongues of God is not going to cure this. It didn't cure it for Peter. Just getting the Holy Spirit doesn't cure it. Just sending a check to an African mission doesn't fix this. We will have to be humble enough to be retaught and learn about our biases and submit our biases to a new first order, the first order of being a follower of Christ. Seriously, not everybody was happy with what Peter did. Um, uh, you know, you would, looking at it, you say, well, why would they be upset about what he did? Well, they're, they're just like us. They had biases, and, and they all weren't happy about it. Listen to Acts 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the, the Gentiles had received the word of God. So Peter, so when Peter went to, up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But it says, but Peter began to explain it to them. I'm probably not winning a lot of friends today by what I'm sharing, but I'm here to explain it to you. And the Holy Spirit of God is here today to explain it to you because our first implicit bias, our unconscious bias will say, I, I shouldn't have to do that. Um, I, I'm not racist, I, I, that's not me. But if we begin to allow ourselves to, to just close our eyes and to begin to discover something about ourselves, we may find out that our first order is not as Christian as we think it is. Um, you may not be happy with what's going on in America. Uh, so ask God to show you what's really going on and the real things that God wants to take place in the middle of all the noise. Not all the noise is good. Not, not all the, uh, the protests are beneficial. Not all the, the, the riots are going to provide any kind of resolution. But in the middle of it, there is a good work that God is trying to accomplish in all people. And ask God to, to give you an understanding to, to see what it is that he's doing. He wants you to stand up like Peter he wants you to stand up with your brothers and sisters against injustice. He wants you to recognize that our human instincts are not reliable, that our first response are not usually Christian. He wants you to be willing to learn for the sake of the cause of others 
and to submit your first order response to your Christian faith. I know uh, some of you may be thinking, wow, um, he's really pounding us today, or he's, he's really pounding white people today. But that would be just your implicit bias talking, because I have not tagged anything specific here. Why? Because we all have biases, because we all have to learn. This message was for everyone who needs to learn to be Christian first. So, in this last few moments, let's just power it down. I know there's like, that was intense, and, um, and I don't know if, if you're like me, but there's been a lot of intensity lately, a, a lot of things. So, so now let's just enter into a moment. We're, we're about to go into our last moment of worship, and let me encourage you to just take a, a deep breath and invite God into this moment. Because I think every one of us have been getting beat up from every direction. I think everybody. It's regardless of who you are. Uh, we've been, I mean, this, this whole issue of racial injustice, um, COVID-19, economic and job loss, deaths, confusion, murders, riots, fear, and hatred. I mean, this is like, this is some heavy times. And, and, and that's why we really need to just invite God to his Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And, and God, teach me. And I submit my, my life to you, my, my words, my biases, my upbringing, everything, my, the mistakes of the past, the mistakes of the past that have been committed against me, everything. And that God, in this moment, God, I, I'm just asking you to speak to me. The Apostle Paul could not have said it better in Galatians 6, 9, when he said, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. God wants to encourage you. The good that we sow will be reaped if we don't stop doing that good. But just know this, doing good has never been easy. Evil has always been second nature. I would rather say it's been first nature to us. It is good that is wearisome, that is difficult for us to do. And the apostle says, listen, if you're weary of trying to protect your family, to change your mind, to try to understand your neighbor, to try to, you know, figure it all out. I mean, I mean, to all that's going on around us in the world of, of all kinds of subjects, Paul is just saying, listen, don't go, don't get, don't get weary. Don't start stumbling. Don't, don't, don't fall down. He said, because if you'll continue to do that which is right in the hour that we are in right now, you will reap. We will reap as a culture, as individuals. We will reap something good from God. And like Peter, we must put ourselves into this situation and allow ourselves to be challenged, to allow our biases to be challenged. And we must be willing to learn, even if it takes one time, two times, three times, 
You know, that God drops the cloth and tells us, I told you what I called good, what I called, what, what um, you call not good, I am calling good. That some of us, we just need to be told over and over again. But you may be pushing back and say, well, but, but I'm white first. No, not the Christian. But I'm black first. No, not the Christian. Um, I'm Southern first. No, not the Christian. Well, I'm Northern. Well, no, not the Christian. Every one of us, God wants us to establish the first order of his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And then all the good things about our biases, whatever we have, as whites and blacks, Asians, Hispanics, male or female, God says, I'll, I'll give you good things. But the order of the kingdom needs to be first in our lives. So as we enter into worship, just, al just allow God, your, and, and just give him your fatigue. Give him your anxious heart. Give him your tiredness. Your brain is probably just wish you could shut off. But just know this, that doing this hard work is a good work. And, and, and don't grow weary in it, because God wants to do something good. Heavenly Father, refresh our souls with your spirit. Invigorate us with your cause and with your power. And God, renew in us a new heart. Change our minds. Begin to expose our biases and begin to empower us to walk over them and to step in the authority and in the mind of Christ into our culture. God, today, we once again commission ourselves towards your kingdom first in all things.